format of this meeting is a 20-minute speaker, and then we'll follow that by opening up for um, open share. Uh, help me in welcoming tonight's speaker, Mr. Tony from Arizona. Thank you, thank you. My name's Tony, and I'm in the spoon by noon. <laughs> Uh, although, although, although humorous, um, that just is a, an example of what my life, uh, my last run was. Everything I had materialistically or um, financially, any investment I ever had fit right in the bottom of a spoon. And that's kind of a reminder to myself. And like I said, although humorous, it's a reminder of exactly where, um, where heroin brought me. Um, my name is Tony. I am in the spoon by noon. My sobriety date is 4-19-2016. I have, a, I have a sponsor. Um, I currently do not have any sponsees. I am in the book with my sponsor still, even at this. Um, even with this puppy breath of sobriety, I still consider myself a newcomer. There's always more to learn, things along those lines. I've ha I have had a spiritual experience and the allergy and the, all that and the, uh, the um, um, obsession has been taken away. Thank you. Um, but uh, we'll just uh, take it from the top, you know. Um, you know, I like to look at, look at my life, you know, pre-addiction pre and things when I was a, a younger kid and, and I would wake up and, and uh, you know, I always woke up and I was motivated for something. I was stoked about something. There was, there was a, 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 a thing that I was shooting for, you know, there was a legacy that I was working for um, and I allowed heroin and I allowed heroin to allow life to kind of sift those things away from me, to take away my joy, my peace, my pride, all these things that I had. Um, Growing up, you know, when I was growing up, I was heavily into sports. Um, you know, about 13 years old, I got into wrestling, and I thought like wrestling that was that was my thing. I wanted to be like this Olympic gold wrestler, you know. And and I had developed these disciplines through football and things along those lines to where at 13 years old, you know, uh, I'm uh, riding my bike, you know, five miles to this to this high school to, to train, and I'm training there for hours, and I'm riding this this uh, bike back and. The whole time I'm riding back, I'm thinking about how I can progress in that and how I can get better. And, you know, when you develop a mindset like that, you know, it can't really explain what it is. You know, things are just different. You think different. You act different. You carry yourself different when you are able to, to, to itemize those disciplines and keep them, keep them honed together. Um, and my mother was a single mom. She did everything she could to keep me active in sports and things along those lines. And uh, I remember there'd be some times where I'd have late practices and I'd be at these late practices and my mom would show up you know, after working a double and she would come in there and I knew she was tired and I was just like, mom, I need to you know, do a couple extra drills. Um, you know, I wanna, I wanna be this great wrestler, you know, I wanna do this. And I know my mom was tired and I would sit there and I would do these drills and she would sit in the corner in the room and every time I would turn the corner on these drills, you know, I would be able to lock eyes with my mom and it would allow me to like dig a little bit deeper, allow me to push a little bit harder, you know, and at that time I didn't quite understand, you know, what that connection was. Um, and I just carried on with my life, you know, doing things the, to the best of my ability to progress in that, you know, we fast forward into high school and, and the, and the partying starts and things along those lines. And, um, you know, I'm going to stick with singleness of purpose. Not that, that everybody, anybody here really objects to anything along those lines. You know, everybody's pretty open here and I appreciate that. But I like to relate to, you know, the heroin addict, the one that's, you know, it may be funny, but it's dead serious. Like the ones that are afraid to fart because they might shit themselves. You know, the ones that can't get out of fucking bed. You know what I mean? They can't get, they can't get out of bed. You know, the ones that, that, that uh, um, really experience, you know, opiate withdrawal. Um, so we'll skip through, through the high school scene and this and that, and I, and I, and I find my, uh, um, so I, we'll just go, I get right out of high school. I end up uh, getting my high school sweetheart pregnant. 
uh, 20 years old, I become a father. Um, not knowing my father, I still, you know, I'm, I'm so young and, and this and that. And like, I start developing this resentment for this woman as far as like, you know, who, who is she to tell me what I need to do? Um, when I don't like to be, how to be a dad when I don't even have a dad kind of sort of thing, you know, total, total resentment and things along those lines. And, you know, we do the whole fighting together, this and that to the point to where I get to so bad into, into my problem that I just realized like, you know what, they're probably better off without me. Um, and I start to shade out of the picture and I'm, and I'm bouncing back and forth, um, in, in my son's life at this time, um, mid twenties, I'd find, uh, I find, uh, uh, find heroin and, uh, you know, that's when the, that's when the, the tables turned for me. I didn't, but I had been a, uh, active criminal and drug addict for years to come before, before heroin. But once I had discovered heroin, um, you know, it really put me down pretty hard. You know, there's nothing like having to get well in order to commit crime, you know, to, to, to let you know just how much, uh, things got a hold of you. You know, I couldn't focus on anything. Um, anything I had, like, like I said, went to, to trying to trying to fill this spoon up, man, and and I, uh, I remember this one of my last little go runs. I'm at I'm at my buddy's house, and we're all getting high, and uh, I'm having like this super poetic moment, dude. I'm like getting, as I'm making this this last little thing up, and he's like, I'm like, you know, things are things are pretty rough right now. I'll probably uh, have to skip town. They're a little hot. I'll probably go to Vegas, get a little job for a couple. And this was my routine, you know what I mean? Shit would get hot, and I would bounce out of town four, five, six months at a time and come back. And so get to that point again and I'm like, yeah, I'll probably bounce out to Vegas for a little bit, lay up with my, with my buddy, get a little part-time job, you know, get a little bit of uh, cl like cleanness, uh, not knowing anything about A or anything this time, but uh, um, you know, gather my thoughts, get a little bit of money together and come back. And I was like, the strangest thing is I was just talking to somebody a week ago about, um, about AA. And, uh, you know, he's giving me the spiel and this and that, and he's telling me what's going on. And I was like, so I can go to Vegas and I can do this or what I could do in this super poetic moment. And I'm like, I could, you know, I could check myself into rehab and I could accomplish something that, you know, accomplish something that, um, might ultimately lead me to never doing drugs again. And he's like, man, that's pretty deep. What are you going to do? I was like, well, I'll probably go to Vegas, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, so we fast forward a couple years. Seriously, man, that's how crazy it is. It's like, I'm like super convinced, like I could probably get, get this thing, you know, if I just give it a shot and I'm, and I'm just so used to old behavior that I just don't even, I don't even exercise that. And uh, so anyways, we fast forward a couple, uh, uh, a couple days later, maybe a week later. And I'm, and this is like, like I said, I'm at the bottom of my ropes. I'm like at a, at a gas station with a scratcher and a pack of Marlboros drinking a tall can with like a Camelback water bag, you know what I mean? Like waiting for the bus. And uh, um, I get a phone call and I pick up the phone call and it's my son and he's like, you know, what, what's your deal? And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? He's like, you keep coming in, going in and out of my life. And I immediately, I start making excuses. I'm like, oh, well, your mom and this and your mom and that and this is that and what's going on? And he just tells me, save it. And this is a 10 year old boy at this time. And uh, he says, just save it. And uh, something just clicked right then and there. And I said, well, you know, son, I'm gonna try something a little bit different this time, um, but I won't be able to contact you for 30 days. And he said, oh, well, we'll see. So three days later, I found myself at the Salvation Army Phoenix ARC. Um, you know, no, no example. Well, prior to that, I'm looking at like, we'll just rewind it a little bit. I'm looking at like 
how do I get into like a posh rehab? You know what I mean? Some place that's super good and this and that. But this, I'm, like, I'm like looking at Betty Ford and all this stuff. And like, I'm like not even insured. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and uh, and uh, so um, I start reading these things about the Salvation Army. And the guy that initially had brought AA to my attention, he was a product of the Salvation Army as well. And so he's giving me the spiel, letting me know it's free and this and that. And, uh, you know, essentially, yes, it is a free rehab. Um, but the reality for me, what, what it was, like I said, not that I could have got into any of these like Betty Ford or anything along those lines, but the outcome that I had looked at, it, it just put this perspective on me that like money can't buy you everything. You know, you have these, these people that, that check into these rehabs and they have good successful lives and even their rates like 3% or something like that. Some, some super low. So anyway, so I check into the, uh, to the rehab and or I go to check into the rehab and uh, I get there and there's these two guys behind the counter and they're like in jackets and suits and this and that. And I'm thinking this is like a, I can go there, sleep there at night and still run around during the day and sleep there at night, you know? And uh, so I tell the guy like, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to do. He's like, that's not how it works here. He's like, you got to register as homeless. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And this is, and I was just like, whoa, taken back by it. But he said something super profound to me in the very beginning, which ultimately changed my mindset at the Salvation Army is he said, well, first of all, I just want you to know that this is a six-month commitment. And he, what he told me was, he says, in a commitment to staying true to what you said you would do long after the mood that you set it in and long after the mood that you set it has passed, you know? And that really hit me, you know, at that time because, well, I mean, we're human. We sit here and we, and we say things where the time is right or the moon is right or, or things along those lines, but all of a sudden a little bit of time backs off, two, three months pass by, you know, in this six-month program, and all of a sudden, we, we change. You know, we back off. But anyway, so, so I took that in, and I was, like, I was like, let's do it, man. And so I signed into this program, and I'm thinking, like, this is, like, some counselor guy or something like that. You know what I mean? That just, like, put me up on game. And uh, so I go and get my clothes, and I'm super, like, withdrawing. You know what I mean? I just want to lay down. So I'm laying down. They're like, we'll give you half the day to relax and this and that, and you're going – and I remember that night I'm walking down the hallway and I see that same guy that told me that stuff in flip-flops walking. He was a resident there, you know what I mean? And uh, I was like, what? Hey, did you? He's like, yeah, man, I'm here too. I was like, okay, all right. And I just thought that was super funny that, that somebody along those lines was actually just a resident there. He wasn't like a counselor or any like, you know, super guy or anything. But anyway, so they put you into work at the Salvation Army right away and it's uh it's a meat grinder man it's it's 40 hour work week it's um you know weekend cleaning things along those lines programming every single day and it's just hammer 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 on you and i remember being in the warehouse and like i'm going through withdrawal so bad and i'm digging through all this donation stuff and there was a part where and i still reflect on it because just how tired i was but you'd have to like pair these shoes up or whatever. And I would take all these shoes and I would just throw them on the ground so I could formulate this like big pile of shoes just so I could lay down on them and just match stuff on my, on my knees because I was so tired. Um, but I got through it, man. And, and, I, and I remember getting to the 90-day mark. And uh, at the 90-day mark, I was, getting, you know, I was getting job offerings from old employers and things along those lines. And uh, I just remember sitting there telling my guy, I was like, listen, dude, like, this is a six month commitment. I was like, I can't just bail out what I'm, where I'm bailing out now. I was like, this is the opportunity that I have to finally stick with something um, that I said I was going to do since, you know, 20 years old, you know, uh, over 10 years, I hadn't followed through with anything I was going to say. And so, 
you know, I stuck with this program. I remember at 90 Days, you know, Kobe Bryant had won his SB at that time, and he was speaking, and it was just so, so like a God shot, you know, and he's talking about his high school coach and about, you know, why he, why he didn't quit earlier and things along those lines. And he said, well, I was told never to quit halfway. I was always told to quit when I was finished. And so that kind of gave me the drive and, and the ability to push through through that last six months. But during this whole process, you know, in the very first 30 days when I'm done, I get, I get my phone privileges and I call my, uh, I call my son and he doesn't pick up and he doesn't pick up. I'm calling him every day and this and that. And he finally picks up and I, and I'm able to talk to him and I'm trying to be like, you know, like this is what I'm doing and this, and he's just super, super short with me. You know what I mean? Like one word answers, things along those lines. Like, how you doing? Good. Um, are you going outside? No. Are you doing this? No. You know, and I was just like, man, you know, like I understood, you know, what was going on. And so I reached out to his mom and said, Hey, just want to let you know in case Cameron hasn't told you, like I'm, uh, in rehab now and I'm trying to do these things. And she just says, well, he's pretty hurt. You might want to focus on yourself. Um, and so at that point I go and like, I'm having counseling sessions and I'm talking to my counselor about this whole, this whole idea of what I got going on. And I was like, well, he's given me an opportunity is they're like, he's like, you got to be willing to, if he, if your son does give you another chance, you have to be willing to like step it up and not slam that door on his face again. And that really opened my eyes because here I was, I had to really tell myself at this point, at that point in my sobriety was like that I could, this all could be for nothing. Like I might've messed up as being a father. I might not ever have the opportunity to be his dad again, but was I willing to continue to go through what I had to go through and continue to stay sober, knowing that there might not ever be a chance that I would ever come back into his life again. And that really hit home because I mean, that was the option I had was either back up or step up, you know? And what I did is I continued to step going, moving forward. I continued to, to reach out to him, you know, and I, I finally talked to him and I was like, Hey, you know, I'll just probably call you like once a week. Is that cool? You know? And he was like, yeah, sure, you know? So I called once a week, sometimes he picked up, sometimes he didn't, you know? Um, fast forward through the six month program, I complete the program, I go into a um, sober living house right after that, I'm able to get a job and get a cell phone. Um, I get my cell phone, I reach out to him, and I say, hey dude, like, I'm out of this program, do you mind if I start calling you every day? And he's like, yeah, sure, you know, but you know, I, uh, I might not pick up. I was like, that's not, not a big deal, you know, I'll just, you know, call you if you pick up, you pick up. If you don't, you don't. So I'm developing this relationship now with my son to where I'm calling him on a daily basis, you know. And uh, I remember there was a point, there was a point probably like nine months sobriety. Um, his phone gets disconnected and I'm like reaching out to his mom and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm still doing this deal. Da, 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 da. I've been talking to him. I just want to know what's going on. You know, I'm giving you what I can in child support. Um, if there's something I got to do to give you a little extra so that him and I can continue to communicate, like, just let me know. And I go and I type this big old long thing and I go to send it and it's like, you've been blocked, you know? So I'm like, fuck man. So I just keep calling this phone number and I'm doing my thing and I'm still doing the deal. I'm going to meetings. I'm going to work, talking with my sponsor. And I remember I'm at the gym and I get a phone call. Um, I get a, a Instagram message and it's from Cameron. And uh, he's like, dad, I got a new number. Da, 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 da. I called you. Uh, can, uh, can you call me or whatever? And I call him and I'm talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I had a new number and this and that. And I was like, son, just so you know, like I've never stopped calling that number since you, since you gave it to me last. And I'm really glad that you reached out to me. And that was kind of like the change still too, because here I am now, you know, nine months sobriety, still haven't had the opportunity to see my kid, you know, and, and here I am still doing the deal, not knowing what's going on, if that's ever going to happen, his mom's still giving me the cold shoulder, things along those lines. 
And we fast forward another like six months, like 18 months sobriety. I'm, you know, I'm at this point now, I was in six months in a, the Salvation Army, one month of transition out, seven months in a, um, in a halfway house or a three quarter house, whatever you want to call it, to where now I'm transitioning. I meet some people in the program and I'm transitioning into a house with more sober people. Um, and so now here I am in, uh, here I am in this, in this house paying rent and I have my first opportunity to like, meet up with my son, you know what I mean? It's like Christmas time or something like that. And his mom gives us the opportunity to, to go, we go and see some movie. Um, um, I wish I could even remember what it was. Um, went and seen a movie and we're sitting there and he's getting into sports and he's getting into football and I'm telling him like, Hey buddy, I can help you, you know, this and that. And, uh, he's like, well, you just got to talk to my mom and things along those lines. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so three more months go by. Now, now I'm reaching out to his mom like, hey, I'd really like to be a part of Cameron's life. I'd really like to go to these football games that he talks about, things along those lines. And so finally, she's like, gives me the okay to go. And I remember, you know, we're talking 18 months now of sobriety, not seeing my kid, things along those lines, um, still doing the thing. I go to the football game. I'm on the 50-yard line. And I'm like telling myself, like, I'm not nervous, you know, I'm not nervous, you know. And I look over to my right and it's like mom and her husband and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle and cousin and sister and this. And I'm just like, all right, I'm a little nervous now, you know what I mean? And so I just remember sitting there and I remember looking up to God and just kind of asking for some guidance. And, you know, and it was more or less in the lines of like, you know, just just do what you came to do and 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 do that, you know and uh, go over there. And so I go over there and at the time, like I can say it super clean now, but at the time my voice was so shaky and I was so nervous and things along those lines that I'm like, you know, I just want to let you know how grateful I am that I'm here. Um, and I hope that we can continue to do this so that this awkwardness goes away, you know? And his mom was like, yeah, of course, you know, this and that. And I, like I said, I'm so nervous. I'm like, okay, bye. And I just fucking dart <laughs> off. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I dart off and I go and I sit my, by myself. And uh, um, I remember after the game, we're like all huddled up and we're sitting there. And uh, this was like my first, like, okay, man, this is, this is going to work. And I remember standing there and I remember his grandma coming up to me and his grandma pulling me aside. And she heard just saying, like, I just want to let you know that's like the bravest thing I've ever seen anybody do. And that overwhelmed me so much. It didn't, I didn't break me down because I had to keep my composure, although I wanted to. You know what I mean? But I was just like, whew, like, this is what I'm talking about, dude. Like, I, I, I appreciated every moment up until that 18 months of sobriety that I had to sit there and I had to always contemplate, like, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? Is this worth it? Is it not worth it? Because in that moment, it made everything clear. It made everything understand, like, this is where it's about and this is what you're going to have to continue to do, you know? And so... Um, and I remember, you know, I remember at that point, like my whole trajectory and like everything had changed. And I remember sitting with my mom um, and my mom's like, she's asking me, you know, like, if you could do anything, would you go back? And I remember my whole life, I always had an excuse as to, oh, if I could go back, I would do this. Or if I could go back, I would do that. You know what I mean? And for the first time in my life, when my mom asked me, I told her, I said, no, I wouldn't. And she said, she said, what? I said, I said no, I wouldn't. She said, you mean you wouldn't go back and, to where you could have gone off to college and wrestled or you could have been a part of Cameron's life or you wouldn't have never spent all, those, all that time in jail and you would have, wouldn't have been locked up and this and that and you wouldn't have had drug. And I said, I said no, I wouldn't. I said it in the reality. And she thought I was going to say something like profound, like because of like the man I am or the perspective I've acquired. You know what I mean? She thought I was going to say some shit like that, you know? But I told her, you know, it's got absolutely nothing to do with me. 
And she was blown back by it because what you see is in that same household, I had a younger brother and a younger sister who got to witness everything that I had gone through. And both my younger brother and both my younger sister have gone off and gone out of college and lived, they had these wonderful lives now. I told my mommy, see, it's not about me. You know, it's about everything. It's, a, it's about um, everything that I've done in, the, in the, um, the man that I am today, like what my spirit represents right now. You know, it's got nothing to do with what I could change and things along those lines. And that opened up, my, opened up my eyes and my heart to a lot of different things and, and to, to see, to realize like that those moments that I was talking about where I was, uh, you know, 13 years old. When I was 13 years old and I'm doing these extra exercises and I'm connecting with my mom and I'm continuing to push forward is because I realized that life isn't just about me. You know, there's, there comes a point in my life where it's about everybody else and the sacrifices that they've made in their life and the, and the things that they've done so that I could live the life that I've lived. You know what I mean? Like life's not about me anymore. And there's, there's a, you know, a good thing where I'm sitting there in the morning or, or in the evening and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I cannot, I cannot lie to myself anymore. I can't, I can't sit there and tell myself like I've had a good day when I didn't. I can't lie to myself, you know. I look at myself and I feel like deep down inside of me like there's another person. And in, in this other person, like no matter how hard I work, this other person's working a little bit harder. And no matter how dedicated I am, this other person's just a little bit more dedicated. No matter how hard I try, this other person's just trying a little bit harder. And by me chasing after this other person, it allows me to be somebody that I never thought I could be. Once I catch this person, you know, I will be, I will love like I never loved. I would do things I never thought I could do. And I will be a person that I never thought I could be, you know. I will go into another dimension of, of, of caring and loving and, and carrying the message onto things. Um... And essentially, that's what, what perspective I have on things, you know? And so now, you know, where I am with my son and things along those lines is, is I'm living a totally different life now with my son. You know, I, I would love to sit here up here and be like, oh, I became this great dad and my son started living with me and we had this fucking awesome thing. And that's what we did. But you see what happened is COVID came along and my son got a little bit uh, um, bored and with school not being shut down, he got caught up with the wrong crowd. And now he's in jail right now for the last nine months for armed robbery and a bunch of stuff like that at 16 years old. So I wish I could sit there and I could sit there and say, oh, we've done all these fatherly things and things along those lines. And we have up until a certain point to where now I'm talking to him through a video phone call or through a, through a, through a, a telephone call, you know. And I think about my life and the things that I've gone through and things along those lines. And maybe that's the reason why life has gone the way that it's gone because who better for him to, to um, um, have the same experience with than the person that's been down that road, you know? Who better, who better than me, you know what I mean? Like when people say, why me? Like, why not me, you know? Um, and maybe that's, that's, that's the overall plan for right now is, is for me to understand is like, you know, you tried so hard when he w went to get him into your life and now that he's in your life, you know, like, don't squander it regardless if he's in jail or regardless of what he's got going on. Like you need to be there for him and you need to understand that what he's going through. And I do. And I totally get that, you know. And so that's where we are today. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I live in Phoenix, Arizona and I'm traveling for work right now. And the reason why I'm traveling for work is because my son is in jail. You know, when I got this job back in 2018, they asked if I wanted to travel. And I said, no, we got high school football games and we got things like this that we got going on, you know. And so when all this happened, you know, I asked my boss if he needed me to handle some out-of-town work. And so that's what I am, being of service to the company that I work for as well, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just, that's more or less, you know, what we have going on here is, is you know, the message I like to give is just, is just to carry on 
carry on to one another and to not think outside of yourself. You know, you know, life isn't about us. You know, it's about, like I said in, in my speech earlier, you know, that it's, it's about the people that have given up things in their lives, you know, so that we could have the lives that we have, you know, so that we can carry on the message to other people. Um, but I'm extremely grateful to be here. I really appreciate you guys letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Yeah.